Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. Please take a moment and visit InvernessCalvary.com to get connected with us. We want to know what God is doing in your life through this ministry. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you may do so online. Now prepare your heart for a word that we pray will bless your life. Today, I want to share with you a message called Easter Invitation. Easter Invitation. And, and, and for those of you who are just kind of new to Calvary, uh, uh, for weeks we've been actually handing out these cards and, uh, that have this one theme on it. Maybe, maybe you're here today because you got one of these cards. And it said this, Easter is heaven's invitation to join God's family. Easter is heaven's invitation to join God's family. And it really is. You know, as I was praying and preparing and just meditating on everything that we celebrate at Easter time, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I couldn't help but come back to this one theme over and over and over again. That Easter is all about God redeeming his sons and daughters back to himself. It is the redemption. It's buying back and paying for a relationship with his sons and daughters. You you can't miss it when you really dig in to the message of Easter. You see, I believe in my heart that every single human being actually has a longing to be in relationship with God. I believe we all do at our core that there's something inside of us that says, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to, maybe, you know, maybe uh, as a young child, you wanted to go to heaven because you thought gold streets, that would be really cool. You could fill your pockets with rocks and you're loaded. Maybe you thought, you know what, oh, I'm going to get a mansion just over the hills yeah, in that bright land where we'll never grow old, right? And, and we'd say, oh, I, I'd like a mansion. That would be an upgrade. But you know, the most fascinating and drawing thing about heaven is that it's, it's where God is. It's where the glorified Son of God, Jesus is. And while those things in the first moments when we arrive will probably catch our eye and we'll probably notice, uh, uh, you know, maybe great grandma and and grandpa and those who went before us in faith in Christ, we might see those people and we might see Paul and we might see Abraham. The most fascinating thing about heaven is Jesus. And I want to say something today. What makes heaven great is that it's a family. It's God's family. And I think we all want to go to heaven. I heard this story about a pastor who was preaching in his, 
and, and there were these three boys in his service, and they were, they were fidgeting and talking the whole time. Ushers had to come over to them and quiet them, and then they would start talking again. The pastor, after the service, he went and grabbed those three boys, and he just took them, he took them to the side, and he looked at the first one, and he says, Son, do you want to go to heaven? And the boy said, Yes. He goes, Then stand on that wall. Looks at the next one and says, Son, do you want to go to heaven? He said, Yes, and stand on that wall. He goes to the third one and says, Son, do you want to go to heaven? He says, No. He said, Son, I'm going to ask you again. Do you want to go to heaven? No. He, he kind of looked at him perplexed. He says, You don't want to go to heaven when you die? He goes, Oh, yeah, I want to go when I die. I thought you were making a list for going right now. And the truth be told, there's probably a lot of us who are a lot like that. We want to go to heaven. And some of us are going, I don't know if I want to go right now. But listen, when you get into relationship with God, and you realize that this life is truly like the book of James described it, a vapor. It's here a moment and then gone. You realize... Oh, there's a longing in my heart to be a part of God's family. And I want to tell you something. The resurrection made it possible. You see, to truly understand why there was brokenness in God's family, you actually have to go all the way back to Genesis. It's in the story of creation. And we find that, that God creates the world in six days and then He creates man. He breathes into man Man becomes a living soul. Man is then given the task of, of naming every animal on the planet. There's no suitable helper for Adam. And so God puts Adam to sleep, takes a rib, and makes Eve, which is why I like ribs. It's just, it's my reasoning, okay? It's my reasoning. Uh, and so... And so he fashions Eve, and there in the garden they have a perfect marriage, the first one ever that God himself actually conducted the first marriage ceremony. They're there in the perfection of the garden, but God gives them an instruction. He says, you can eat of every tree in the garden, but there's this one in the middle. It's this knowledge of the fruit of the good and evil. It's this knowledge of good and evil. That tree, don't eat of it, because if you do, that day you will surely die. Not just a physical death, a spiritual death, and a separation from the Father. And, uh, of course, we, we know the story that the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field. And he comes into the garden, and he says to Eve, you know what? God just knows that if you eat that, you'll be like him. That he's holding out on you. He begins to accuse God. And Eve says, no, no, no. Well, okay, it, it does look good. And it, it seems good for food. So she takes it and eats it, then takes it and gives it to Adam. And then in that moment, the scripture says they realized for the very first time they were naked. You see, it was in that moment 
my personal belief is, is that till that moment, they were clothed in perfect relationship with God. They were clothed in perfect relationship with God. And in an instant, realized, I'm not covered. They go and they try in their own works with these leaves and they cannot cover themselves. And then God comes along like he did every day. And calls out to Adam, Adam, where are you? He didn't say that for himself. He actually said it for Adam. Adam's like, I heard your voice and I was afraid. Because we're naked. And he said, yes, who told you you were naked? God said that. He says, oh, no, we have this whole scene and the, you know, the woman that you gave me, just like a man to blame the woman, um, the woman you gave me, uh, she gave me the fruit I ate. And he said, what did you do? And she says, the serpent deceived me. And then God turns his eyes on the serpent. And th this is what he says. He says, listen, I am going to do something through woman that is going to crush you. Her seed is going to crush your head. It's the very first time that the gospel is ever announced. But it did not deal with the consequences of the choices that had been made. And so in this moment, God set up a boundary. Genesis chapter 3 verse 22 says, And then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and placed a cherubim, that's an angel, at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way, listen to this, to guard the way to the tree of life. To guard the way to the tree of life. Another way of saying it, this angel was set about the task of guarding the way to eternal life. And then, about 4,000 years later, in Matthew chapter 28, we have this scene. It says, And now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Okay, this is very bizarre to me. It's a very bizarre moment to me because when I read the Bible, if something strikes me, it usually means that there's probably a hidden truth behind something that really just strikes me in the heart. I thought to myself, why in the world does an angel need to be sitting down? Why does he need to sit down? 
And this thought occurred to me. Because he had been standing guard over the way to eternal life for 4,000 years. And when the earth shook and the stone rolled back, the way was open and he sat down knowing my assignment is over. The door is open to eternal life. Now that's my opinion. But you can't help but notice who's there in this moment. And if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn to John chapter 20. I want you to see this. And we're going to examine something that happened to Mary Magdalene. Do you know the story of this woman, Mary Magdalene? This woman, she had seven demons. I feel like I can identify with Mary. Because I was really messed up before Jesus. Some of us in the room, we could really identify that there was something really twisted and really demonic about the person that we used to be until Jesus. And there's something significant about Mary that we're going to explore today and see from the scripture that tells us about Easter's invitation. John chapter 20, starting in verse 11 says this, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white, one sitting at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. We have to stop there. This is really, really significant, but for most of us, we don't realize why. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was marked by a piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant had a lid, was wood, and it was completely covered in gold. But on the top of the Ark were two angels, one at the head and one at the feet with their wings stretched out over a place called the mercy seat. And I want to say this to you. For the first time in human history, Mary saw the mercy seat. She saw the mercy of God. One angel on one side, one angel on another, and the place where Jesus had been laying, that mercy seat, that place which would be sprinkled with blood year after year as a sacrifice. I want to say something. You and I, all of us, need to have an encounter like Mary and find ourselves at the mercy seat with a risen Savior. Now, verse uh, 13, then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. 
which is a fascinating idea. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, and by the way, she was right. Because evidently, he's the vine, and we're the branches. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, this is very important, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but I go to my brethren. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending, listen to these words, to my father and your father, to my God and your God. This is an absolutely fascinating text. You say, why is it fascinating? Because this word cling actually in the authorized version many times is just simply translated touch. He said, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Later that same day in the evening, he appears to his disciples and he shows them his hands and his side, his feet. And you know what he says? Touch me. A week later, he says, touch me. Why does he say, don't touch me? Because he's about to ascend. He's about to go up and complete the greatest transaction that earth has ever experienced. The, reu the, the, the reuniting of God's family. He's making it possible. And he said some of the most profound words to her. This is what he said. I am going to my father and to your father. Now up to this point, he has already made bold, bold statements. He's, he prayed that prayer, remember? Our father. Now that was a, a big enough pill to swallow because before this time, God had never been referred to as father. But corporately, and maybe as a nation and as a people, they could get used to the idea of corporately calling God father. But when Jesus called God Father, the religious leaders of the day become incensed and angry to the point where they say, you call God your Father, making yourself equal to Him. They get so angry, it, it drives them and says, we have to kill Him. Just this idea of God being our Father. And yet Jesus says, in this moment, now, I'm not just going to my father. I'm going to your father. I'm going to your father. I'm going to your father. Because a way has been made. It's a profound statement. And I, I want to make just two statements here. Why did God choose Mary Magdalene? I mean, after all, why not be, why not go grab that guy? You know, he just talks and then thinks, get Peter. 
I mean, get James. After all, he's going to lead the church of Jerusalem. Get James. He gets Mary Magdalene, a former prostitute, and a woman. I think for two reasons. Number one, if you ever really want to get something done, And he had already told his disciples, I'm, when I come back, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. And she goes and tells them again. And probably said, and you better be there tonight. But I want to say this as well. I think it was God saying, Women are not second class in, this, in the kingdom. And that Eve may have fallen in the garden, but I'm going to use a woman in the very beginning who's the first one who gets to see mercy. Who's the first one? I'm going to use a woman. And I want to say to you women of the church, you are important in God's kingdom. And God is saying he is blessing you and wants to use you in a powerful way. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter. Because God will use you. So what do we learn from the resurrection about this Easter invitation? That This resurrection. There's, there's three points I want to give you today about Easter's invitation. First is that it's a transformational uh, invitation. It's a transformational uh, invitation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, uh, the resurrection makes transformation possible. Listen, when we come to Christ, he does not want to leave us how he found us. Now, while some of us may look really good on the outside today, probably in this room there is unseen baggage. Things that we're carrying from the past could be sins, choices, maybe stuff that you're wrapped up in right now. And you need to know that through the resurrection of Christ, it is an, it is an invitation to transformation. Not one that you do by willpower of your own, but through the willpower that God expressed by raising his son from the dead. And if you'll receive Christ, he will make all things new. He will make all things new. It's not pie in the sky, it works. I tell you, if, if some of the people in this room could stand on the stage and tell their story, you would say, you did what? Yep, I did. And then all things were made new. All things were made new. So listen, it's an invitation to transformation. 
This is what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. See, see, here's the idea. For most, uh, most people who are probably, you know, just a, a little more collegiate in their approach to religion would say that religion is merely philosophy. That is, a, a system of thought which is used to modify behavior. That means that they tell you how to act and you just act. Well, see, Christianity is not a philosophy at all. We're back to the very core message. Christianity is a relationship with God where he takes his spirit and puts it in you and the fruit of him being there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there on our law. Why? Because God's presence showed up in your life. See, when God shows up, you change. When God shows up, when you accept the invitation, change comes. Now, Easter is not only a transformational uh, invitation, but it is an eternal invitation. I love this. So you remember the moment that Jesus says, don't touch me, Mary. I haven't yet ascended. And then, the end of the day, he goes to his disciples and says, you can touch me. Where's he been? He ascended to heaven. And I want you to understand something. I believe there's a place in Scripture that describes what happened that day. And it's fascinating. Most of the time when I mention the book that this is from, most people who have been around the church, they, they would say this about the book of Daniel. Ooh, that's just about end times. The book of Revelation. And they are intimately connected, but there is a moment in Daniel chapter 7 that I believe describes the time between Mary's encounter and the disciples' encounter after the resurrection. And this is what makes Easter an eternal invitation. This is what Daniel says in, in verse 9 through 14. He says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. That's God the Father. His garment was white as snow and his hair, it was pure like wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before them. A thousand thousands ministered to him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I watched then because the sound of the pompous words, which the horn, which was connected to a beast, was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Now, let me just stop there. You say, what beast is this talking about? There was one beast that Jesus utterly defeated in the resurrection, and it was death. Death was defeated in the resurrection. Death was defeated so much so that it says death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus conquered death, and in that moment, that beast was thrown into the fire because eternal life could be offered 
to all who believe. Now this is, this is what's going on. This is what's happening in heaven. Death has been totally judged as Jesus said it would in the book of John. It says, as for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion, their right to rule taken away, yet their lives were pro prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, that is Jesus, coming with the clouds of heaven. I want you to note those words. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Listen to this. His dominion, Jesus's, is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Why is Easter an eternal invitation? Because Jesus received an eternal kingdom that day. And God said, his kingdom will never, ever be destroyed. When you receive Jesus, why do you receive eternal life? Because Jesus is the king with an eternal kingdom. Because his words are eternal words and they produce eternal life. He's an eternal king. But notice, who did he show up in heaven with? This cloud. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that the cloud is actually people, Old Testament saints, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You say, that means that they would have had to show up when Jesus was raised from the dead. They did. In the Gospel of Luke, it says this, that when Jesus was raised from the dead, Old Testament saints actually came out of their graves and they walked around in the city. I believe it went something like this. Jesus was in the grave three days. He came down there, and it was a place, a Hebrew word is called Sheol. It had an upper level and a lower level. The upper level for the righteous, the lower level for the unrighteous. He grabs all the, the Old Testament saints. He says, I am about to take you to the Father, and you are about to be forever reunited with the Father. He said, however, I have got to make a pit stop and talk to my girl named Mary. And then Abraham spoke up and said, Jesus, while you're talking to Mary, you mind if we just walk around Jerusalem a little bit? That's what the gospels say happened. And these Old Testament saints walked around the city because they were raised with him. Do you know when they left? That day. With him. After he told Mary, don't touch me now. Because I'm about to ascend to the Father. And this is about to take place. You see, Jesus is offering us an eternal kingdom. And I told you all of that. So that possibly you might hear a verse 
that you've heard maybe hundreds, if not thousands of times before, and yet hear it in a new way. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have, here it is, everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You say, oh, it's everlasting. It is everlasting. And I, as an ambassador of God, as a representative of heaven, if there are any here today who do not know God through His only Son, Christ, i got to tell you, you're probably like I was, who was living for this, this very short time in this life. James is right, it's a vapor. You look and it was there and now it's gone. We have to live for eternity. And the only way we receive eternal life is through that open door where the stone was rolled away and the mercy seat was first seen. It's through the resurrection of Christ. That's the way. Not only is Easter a transformational invitation and an eternal invitation, I want to say this. It's an open invitation. It's an open invitation. Have you ever thrown a party and someone uninvited show up? You're like, because you're good people, you smile. You're like, oh, glad you're here. And to yourself, not out loud, but through your teeth, you can hear, guess I'm not eating today. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be enough for all of these people who showed up that I didn't know were coming. I want to say this to you today. Heaven is prepared for all 7.5 billion people on this planet. And there is a standing open invitation from heaven to go through that narrow door, that open door where the stone had been rolled away. It is a narrow door. Most guys who go through the narrow door that Jesus came out of, they're dead when they go in. Yeah, it's still the same. When we pass through the normal, that, that narrow door, that open door that Jesus opens, it's a death, it's an invitation to dying to who we are and coming alive to who he would have us to be. It's an open invitation. And I know the enemy is sneaky and just in the way that he's deceived Eve all those years ago, he deceives many. And the weights of what we did in the past, we wonder, can he, will he forgive me? He will. John chapter 1 verse 10 says this, he was in the world, speaking of Jesus, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But listen to these powerful words. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who, look at those words, believe in his name, 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We find here in this open invitation how we actually are to respond to it, that we are to receive it. We are to receive this message that Jesus is the only Son of God sent to die for us to pay the price for our sin, that we are to receive Him, that we are to believe in His name. That, that, that means not only the name Jesus, the, the, the name that the physical name, but his title, Christ, the anointed one, the one who could break all of the yokes and chains of sin and the things that keep us bound and, and walking and living far from reflecting him accurately. We believe in his name. And then we are born, as this says, of God, as John 3 says, again. Or of the Spirit. It's an open invitation. You say, is it really open to anyone? I've been to some other churches that, that say, well, there's a few that get in, not everyone. Is it open to anyone? Yes, it's open to anyone. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance means that I turn from my old life and I turn to the eternal life that God is offering. And listen to what he says. It is not my will that any perish. It's not my will that any perish. It's not God's will that you perish, that you would walk out of this place not knowing the free gift of eternal life through sons. That is not God's will. And if you leave this place today without experiencing that free gift, you'll go over my preaching and over the drawing of the Holy Spirit and over the will of God. It is an open invitation. And as I was just finishing this message, I heard the Holy Spirit say this to me. It is an open invitation. But you have to RSVP. And that is when I realized I have read that all of my 45 years on the planet. And I don't know what RSVP means. I know that when I see those letters that I'm supposed to do something. But I have no idea what they mean because I don't speak French. RSVP. I said, okay, God, I'm going to look it up. And it said this. And if you speak French, forgive the redneck slang on it. <laughs> Répondez, s'il vous plaît. Respond, please. It's an open invitation. That's what the Lord said to me. It's an open invitation. But respond, please. 
I want you to hear the voice of the ancient of days saying to you, there is an open invitation. Respond, please. To you, there is an eternal invitation. Respond, please. To you, there is an invitation to be transformed. Respond, please. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast from our Easter Sunday message at Calvary Church. Easter truly is heaven's invitation to join God's family. Our prayer for you is that you accept this invitation by praying to receive Christ as your Savior today. Please take time to connect with us and share what God is doing in your life through this ministry. You can connect with us through our website, InvernessCalvary.com or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again for listening to this message and God bless.